Good morning. Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. I'm Josh Summer, your host. Thanks for tuning in through all of the different platforms, Spotify, iTunes. If you're watching here on YouTube, please click the subscribe button. Check out joshsummer.substack.com. Subscribe to the newsletter there to get helpful content delivered to your email inbox. There's a free and a paid option. Paid option always helps to produce content like this. Thomas Aquinas believes in motion with relation to God. Um, I, I had a, a Facebook friend, Dan Miller, send me a... Uh, I don't think he minds me telling you this. Um, if he does, he'll tell me, and I'll never do this again. But uh, he uh, sends me a, a helpful message Um on uh, Thomas's um, question in the Summa Theologiae regarding uh, immutability, and uh, there, you know, the uh, there are several objections that he's dealing with, three to be precise. And uh, the first objection is uh, is this: I'll read it to you, and then I'll read you Thomas's. I'm not going to read the whole section uh, of Thomas on whether God is altogether immutable which is uh, question nine, I believe. Let me see. Question, obviously, volume one, question nine, article one here. The objection is, it seems that God is not altogether immutable, for whatever moves itself is in some way mutable. But Augustine says, the creator's spirit moves himself neither by time nor by place. Therefore, God is in some way mutable. Now, the way that Thomas answers that is not to reject Augustine. He comes back and he says, Augustine there speaks in a similar way to Plato, who said that the first mover moves himself, calling every operation a movement, even as the acts of understanding and willing and loving are called movements. Therefore, because God understands and loves himself, in that respect, they said that God moves himself. Not, however as movement and change belong to a thing existing in potentiality, as we now speak of change and movement. Now, um, usually when people speak of motion, what they mean is the actualization of a potential. Uh, the potential in a thing is moved to actualization, or it, it, it goes from one state to another state, namely from potential to actual, right? Um, so classically, that's how, that's how movement, that's how motion is understood. And with regard to the first mover, we deny all that. We remote all that and remove that from the essence of the first mover because he's the first mover. And if indeed he moved, there would be something behind him responsible for such motion. So that's remoted. In, uh, and, and the way we positively affirm that is by saying that God is active or actus purus. God is pure actuality. There is nothing in God uh, that could be other than God is. Right? Um and that's what that's what Thomas says here, and it's also uh, what Augustine was saying that the Creator Spirit moves Himself neither by neither by time nor by place. So it's not a succession of of moments uh, that measure you know a succession of of corresponding movements or anything like that. Um, usually, what what if if there's motion attributed to God at all, like here in Louis Louis Burkhoff, and and Jeff Johnson quotes very selectively conveniently, uh, Louis Burkhoff here, uh, <clears throat> he says, um, the divine immutability should not be understood, and this is his section on the incommunicable attributes of God, the uh, doctrine of, uh, of the immutability of God, 
Um, the, the divine immutability should not be understood as implying immobility. Okay, so then Johnson's like, yes, and, and everyone following him is like, yes, so, so Jeff's right. As if there were no movement in God. It is even customary in theology to speak of God as actus puris, a God who is always in act or in action. So right here, Burkhoff is aligning motion, uh, any attribution of motion, he's aligning that with actus puris. That's something that Dr. Johnson denies expressly in his book. Actus puris is not the God of the Bible. I keep I keep quoting that from him because it's very, very important. When, you, when you're saying, when you deny actus puris in God, you're saying that God can be, there's something in God or God himself can be other than he is. There is potentiality in God. Um, and so uh, when, when, you, when you deny that of God, when you deny that there's any uh, passive potentiality in God, then all you're left with is, is, is act, pure act, right? Um, uh, which is, which is just pure power. It's pure life. It's pure goodness. Um, it's pure liveliness. It's pure activity, right? So, and sometimes, you know, authors will, will, will use motion, not in the classical sense of the term, but just in a, in a way that's in, in a way, uh, it actually using motion as an antinomy, uh, or antinomy against, uh, against immobility as if immobility signified death, right? So so it's 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 aligning the term motion with life, with activity, uh, with power rather than death. And death is, you know, we could understand death as immobility. You're dead, right? You're under the ground, you're dead, you're not moving. And and so when you when you when you kind of wax poetic about immobility and motion like that, then it makes sense. But if you're if you're using motion in the classical sense, which is a which is which is opposite of actus puris, it's it's not actus puris. It's um, it's a it's a it's it's when you when you attribute motion in the classical sense to an object, you are saying that that object is composite of both uh, potentiality and actuality, and that there are potentialities in that thing for it to be other than it is. All right, and and so we remote that from God. So in the sense that God is life, in the sense that God is power, in the sense that He's pure actuality, you know, theologians have said God moves. God is movable, or not movable, but but God is motion itself. Right. So, um, uh, kind of slippery language. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's an equivocal use of the term of the term motion, and um, and is used actually to indicate actus purus and not the complete opposite. So I think that's a helpful point to to uh, to dwell on at least for for a brief amount of time just because um, we need to understand the way language is used. A lot of this discussion will come down to at some point and has already to some extent uh, the way in which both sides are using language. And so this is an important point here because at some point down the road, you know someone's going to bring this up, you know, with regard to Thomas, or someone's going to bring up Burkhoff, as Johnson has already done, or someone's going to bring up William Perkins, because he does the same thing. And they're going to say, look, they believed in motion and God. Well, no, not in the sense that they denied Actus Purus. No, none of the Orthodox ever denied Actus Purus, ever. Um, so anyway, God bless you guys. If this was helpful, please click the subscribe button. Don't forget to click that red button and the bell for continued notifications. Give me a thumbs up if it was helpful, a thumbs down if it was not. God bless. Have a wonderful rest of your day.